Hi, listeners. We want to tell you about some upcoming live events where you can join Kate and I. We're excited to announce that our upcoming Tend Her 3.0 program is happening. This is our third year in a row where we've received a grant that allows us to offer this program for free for up to 1,000 women. Our theme this year is resilience. We've realized these fast-moving times that are filled with lots of complexity require resilience. So in this four-week online program, we're going to be learning the science of resiliency, as well as all the tools that we need to strengthen our resiliency muscle. Registration for this opens October 4, and the program starts October 23. In addition, we are so excited to announce that this year we're adding to the Tend Her program an in-person Women's Resiliency Summit on Friday, November 17th from 9 to 4 p.m. It's going to be held at Little Lights on the Lane. Registration for this event will open October 23rd, the first day of the Tend Her 3.0 program. If you want to be first to know, follow us on Instagram at Kate Moreland Coaching, at Dr. Yoga Mama, and at Tend Her Wild. Last but certainly not least, consider joining Kate and I for a full live and in-person week of rewilding in the wilds of Costa Rica on yoga and meditation retreat, May 11th to the 18th, this coming 2024. Space is limited, but for more information on this event and how to register, go to www.oneyogaglobal.com. That's O-N-E, yogaglobal.com. Who were you before you lost your wild self? That's what we're helping you explore on the Tend Her Wild podcast. Through questions and tools around how best to listen to your inner voice, rewild ourselves, and live the most authentic life where we thrive instead of survive. I'm Betsy. And I'm Kate. And we're so glad you've joined us for this episode. Hello, Tender Wild podcast listeners. Samantha Firm LeClaire is joining us today as our guest. She's a dear friend to both Betsy and I, and really a sister to us in the healing world. Absolutely. Samantha was diagnosed in the fall of 2014 with multiple sclerosis before moving to Iowa and has been navigating that journey with chronic illness ever since. She started her own massage therapy business in the summer of 2016, and she incorporates sound healing, Reiki, and lymph massage, as well as cranial sacral work. Sam's also developed an interest in herbalism as a way to aid in her own healing and to help others. The majority of her professional life here in Iowa has been counseling and supporting small businesses. She currently works at Cirrus at ISU. She's a new mom to a beautiful boy, not as new anymore, maybe. 15 months, I can't believe her. (laughs) Beautiful boy, Milo, and lives with her husband and her son here in Iowa City. So welcome, Sam. We're so happy to have you. So happy to be here. We I love you both so much. So well, we love talking with you. <laughs> and I am just really thrilled uh, to have this conversation. We haven't really had anyone on talking about chronic illness yeah. and navigating that and what that's like. And yet I know so many people are impacted by it. So many women are impacted by chronic illness and illnesses and diagnoses that are not always well understood. And so 
I just am really grateful that you're here and willing to help shed some light on this. Yeah. Share your wisdom. And I hope that this story helps others not feel alone maybe, or inspires them to think um, in a different way or to to go speak to someone if they've had a lot of weird, strange symptoms that don't make sense. So yeah, I'm happy to talk about it. Beautiful. Yeah. Well, you um, have told us that you're a listener. So, you know, our first question, (laughs) which is all about those early 10, first 10 Mm -hmm. years. So tell us a little bit about where you come from. Okay. So I, um, I have, was raised in an outskirt of Phoenix, Arizona. Um, You know, looked at the mountains kind of outside our house, kind of growing up and it, it was a childhood that was kind of really interesting in that if you've been to Phoenix, I would say tr- big trees are not really um, a part of life out there that you can climb. But for some reason, our house had a big tree out back. So I always felt kind of tied to the seasons a little bit, maybe a little bit of a lag behind um, the trees turn yellow in like December. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's a little bit different, but I always really liked that. And I would play outside all the time when it was when we could play outside when it wasn't too hot. Um, I had a family, parents together. Um, my sister's four years younger than me, Natalie. I have a brother who's 11 years younger than me, Christian. And we all kind of lived in this house. Um, Christian was pretty young. We ended up leaving that house, I think, when I was about 13. But that house, I think of as so special because my mom's mother, Irene, was from India. She moved in with us when I was four. And so I had this really beautiful and interesting upbringing of both um, Indian food and culture and who she was and all of her stories growing up in India as a part of my like cultural upbringing in the Southwest. So it was kind of these multiple mixes um, and I loved it. And we lived in a house that had trees that don't have trees in Arizona. So it's kind of like I was already maybe in the Midwest mindset a little bit living in Arizona growing up, but tried to get outside a lot. I played in that tree all the time. It was my refuge. It was just beautiful. Um, and yeah, it, I, I have a kind of golden glow when I think about my childhood oh, playing with my really sister. Beautiful. Yeah. yeah a my golden sister, glow. I just, yeah, we were super close doing all kinds of stuff, you know, playing house, playing with our neighbors, riding bikes, you know, just, it was fun. Yeah. And you're named after your grandmother. I am. My middle name is Irene. So we are we are very tied together. And she's alive and well and just as sassy now. Still cooking she, all that good Indian food that she made much. for you. My uncle's cooking for her a bit more now these days. But she um she is just she's a spitfire and sharp as a tech. She can tell you right now, like the outfit she wore uh when she met for example, she met Gandhi when she was a kid. So mm. uh, yeah. She knew what she was wearing. Yeah. I mean, like, she I would not, that, yeah, yeah, that's kind of she's, a big deal. She's yeah. amazing. Yeah. So she has some really incredible stories growing up that really affected me and kind of opened my mind to having different cultural, um, just influences, you know, there weren't a ton of Indian kids at my school, but there, were, that was her group of friends. So we'd go hang out with them. And eventually when I was in sixth grade, all my cousins moved over from the Middle East. And so it, it was just kind of great to kind of have. Yeah. And I've always thought of you as sort of a a woman of the world. I know you're a traveler and you've lived in Africa and Chile. Chile. Yeah. Yeah. Like that you are an inherently curious uh, member of this planet who 
I feel very uh, curious. Yes, yes. I know that about you. Yeah, yeah. That and your connection to nature. Yes. I see where that comes from too with your childhood because yeah. you have always struck me as someone so connected and you see nature as such an important piece, even in the herbalism that you've done of like feeding you and your love of local food and yeah. all of that, I, which probably came some from your grandmother too. Absolutely. And, you know, most of our, not all of our family vacations growing up, but a lot of them were camping. So then that was my favorite thing was going out camping in the woods and the mountains. And um, I'd say the curiosity, I've always been like that. Um, and then because, you know, during the summers, what do you do? Like we didn't have summer camps and stuff to go to. And my dad, they did buy a encyclopedia set. And he, oh, we had one of those at yeah. our house too. And do you have to read it? Well, yeah. And he would say, what's the report going to be on this week? And like each week we'd have to like read up on something. Pull out and, the D. And tell, uh, I'm going to talk about. Dogs. Yeah. <laughs> um, so younger listeners who don't know what an encyclopedia <laughs> is. No. Look it up. Go oh Google it. On Google. Yeah, yeah. Like the gold. It would be a, a salesman that would ring the doorbell it selling. Was, it was our Google. Yeah, it really was. It really was. It was amazing. I would just sit there reading through all those books. It was so fun. Yeah. So. Mm -hmm. so you have had a varied life. I know uh, that you lived in DC for a while and then you were back in Arizona, but your MS symptoms showed up in a pretty um, dramatic way, we yes. might say. Um, would you be willing to yeah. sort of share how that all came about? Absolutely. So as a bit of a background, I lived in DC from 2008 to 2013 and it was a pretty high stress job situation over there. And in retrospect, I had some early symptoms, tingling down my arms, things like that, fizz, fuzzy vision occasionally. But that to me was just go see your chiropractor and get that fixed yeah. and then go get glasses because everyone else in my family wears glasses. And I'd always, my family will make fun of me for this, but I've always wanted to wear glasses. And so I was like, <laughs> I was the same way. I still don't have glasses, but I always wanted them. <laughs> I, yeah, I would want to like buy the half ones. Know, yeah. yeah. And so I was like, oh, great. Now I can finally get glasses, you know, um, but to me, those were just easy fixes. And you were in your 20s. Yeah. So I, there's, not, you're not like, invincible. Yeah. Yes. yeah. So then I will say I did get really stressed out, burned out in DC and emotionally wasn't who I really had always been. I had always mm -hmm. been a very emotional child, kid, sensitive to others, sensitive to animals, nature, just all the issues of the world kind of. And, you know, I think I um, saw someone almost get hit by a car or something. It was with people in the road and I should have had an emotional reaction to it. And I didn't. And then when I recognized that I didn't have an emotional reaction to someone almost getting hit by a car, um, I realized there was something wrong with me. It, like, I just wasn't who I was anymore. And that thought kind of really made me wake up a little bit to my actual situation. And do you think it's just that you were having to numb out so much because of I the think stress so. I, and the know, city life? The stress the intensity? was so much. And there was a lot of I, I mean, I, I love living in DC. The friends I had, there was so much fun. I was out every single night, um, except for maybe one night a week. And then weekends were all brunches and this and that. And it was just kind of a nonstop atmosphere mm -hmm. and I could never catch Rest. my breath. Yeah. And so, um, and I developed some anxiety symptoms there, like that pit in my stomach, you know, just like, couldn't quite like tight chest feeling and stuff. And, um, and then, so I, I, kind of almost, almost overnight quit and then went to a farm in Northern California. Yeah, but can you tell the listeners how that happened? Okay. okay. I love this story. Yes. So, 
um, long roundabout way. I'll get back to my actual diagnosis. But so I got a Kindle that winter and my, <laughs> I was homesick because I was sick a lot. Um, in retrospect, another kind of thing. Um, I think there was black mold in our apartment, but in DC, in DC. Mm -hmm. and so my aunt, I was homesick, you know, and it was like January or something. And my aunt had sent me an email that said, check this out or something like that in the subject line. And I, and I was like, and I look and it's a link and it, I thought it was a, a porn site because it was called backdoorjobs.com. And <laughs> I was like, okay, if I open this on my personal laptop, I'm going to for sure get a virus. But if it's on a Kindle, maybe it's a real email. And I just, you know, I don't know why I didn't just text her, but I just was like sitting there and like all in my feels about being sick right after the holidays. And I clicked on it and it was, it was an alternate jobs website. And it was not porn. It was not porn. <laughs> and it was, um, you know, fish hatcheries in Hawaii and, you know, like cheese making in Colorado or something. And and then this place, it's called Amandel, and it was a hundred something year old farm in Northern California and family camp that families would go to every year for decades and they needed help in the kitchen. And I, within it was three a months for you. Yeah. And I, it? within three months, I left my job in DC and moved to a farm without what a cell phone service or hardly any internet. And it was a transition. A really nice felt like your aunt was throwing you like this lifeline. And, and I love that you didn't ignore it. I know most of us ignore. I would have thought it was porn. And you would have said, yeah. I am not no. opening that link. Delete, delete, delete. You no, know, exactly. And, and when I asked her about it, she was like, I don't know. I just saw it and I thought of you. And it was as simple as that. And it was just so cool. So what was it about that experience? Do you think it brought you some healing or it brought you clarity for what was coming next? Like if you could sum yeah. up, what do you think living on a farm? Because you were there how long? Um, About six months, six about to six seven months. months. And it just, I was the oldest person there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Everyone else is at the young age, age of 30. I, I mean, at the yeah, age of 30. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but everyone else is like early 20s. And I was like the older wiser one of the whole bunch um and which is also which the is, wise one it was great it just it kind of gave me this break it was like my quote-unquote commute from like the housing on the farm to like the kitchen where I worked it was maybe like a 10-minute walk down like a dirt path me it was a walk past mm. the cows mm. there was an ostrich you know like I mean it, it was just, like a parallel universe it to was what you were it was too. and then I didn't hear sirens I it's like the stars are amazing out there um it was in Mendocino County and everyone needs a six-month hiatus yeah. it was like a sabbatical I'd say it was like a sabbatical so for me it was like a complete breaking of what I breaking up with of what I had come to understand was professional life. And I was like, this success is success, success yeah. what was I thought was success and the path that everyone was on in the rat race. And I was like, I can't do this. I cannot do this. There has to be something else. So for a while, I was even thinking about like opening a bed and breakfast and just doing something totally not just, I was looking at jobs even to in Napa to like potentially work at a bed and breakfast after that the end of the day, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And there wasn't enough internet at the farm to even like job search to figure it out. <laughs> That's beautiful. Everyone really needs to go somewhere like yes. that. Yeah. Internet. It really, I just went home for a while and like worked there and was like, I'll, um, I found a job in Flagstaff in Northern Arizona. And that's where I was working before I moved to Iowa city. And also in retrospect, I had a few symptoms there that I didn't okay. know about. So, so just pause. Mm -hmm. You had, you, in retrospect, you can see that there were symptoms 
that were kind of rearing in this mm-hmm. really stressful life in DC. Mm-hmm. In retrospect, was there anything during the six month hiatus yes. on the farm? There were there was some one signals night, just, there as yeah, well. One, night, one of the unfortunate symptoms of MS was like, I suddenly had to pee and then I was like, oh my God, I have to pee like right now. Like there was no like, okay, I have to pee and then like, let me walk home and then pee. Like it was like late at night walking from one staff housing to our housing and it's pitch black. And I'm like hearing sounds in the forest that I thought was bears or something. I was probably scared. I don't know, but I was like, oh my God, I have to pee. And then I was 30 and I remember very specifically just thinking, wow, it's really true. When you turn 30, you start aging, like something happens. And I remember telling my sister and her husband that moving back from the farm, they're like, I was like, okay, sis, you got four years. And then when you turn 30, you're going to have to like all the time. Like, and she was like, okay. But later on, she was like, I remember thinking, I don't think that that is true. true, you know? Yeah. Um, but that was, that was something on the farm. Mm-hmm. And then you got to Phoenix and you had some more symptoms. Yeah. Um, I had some more blurry vision. The vision was really interesting. Um, I remember very specifically, I was staying with my sister and her husband for a couple months as I was like applying to jobs and Flagstaff and stuff like that. And I remember like taking a bath and like reading in the tub and like in the book I was reading, I would look at words and like one word would be clear and then the word next to it would be fuzzy. And then the word after it would be clear. So it'd be really interesting just like, okay, not not everything was like fuzzy. It was just half of a word was fuzzy and it was just really weird. So that in like looking back, that's also another symptom, but I wouldn't have known that because in our modern day society, if you have tingling in your hands, you go to like a chiropractor because you have a pinched nerve. Or if you have eye problems, you go to the eye doctor. And there's, um, I guess I, eyesight symptoms is one of the really first symptoms for a lot of people with MS. Um, Mm -hmm. people can go blind, uh, for a little bit of time. Um, and so I didn't know that. It's like puzzle pieces that were over a long, long period period of time. Years. Yeah. Yeah. So now lead us to the, the, the moment where things got really dire and, um, you know, you, you really knew something something was going on. So I had been in Flagstaff for about six months and there had been a miscommunication of what my income would be um, at the university there. So I, when I arrived in Flagstaff, I was like, oh my God, this is perfect. I'm two and a half hours from my family, but I'm in a smaller town. I can see them on the weekends. Occasionally I am in a place that I love. I have a dog. Like I was living in a converted barn. It was like literally like this dream for me. But then um, I realized they just were not clear about how much money they take out of my check after like the whatever the trial period of an employee is is six months and then there was a mandatory um retirement 12 percent of your paycheck would be taken out and i had already gotten an apartment and all this stuff and was like i couldn't afford to live in flagstaff anymore and it was very stressful and so um again a major stress a major stressor and i was like I just moved here, but now I can't afford to live here. Mm-hmm. And the options are the grief of that too. Yeah, I, think I, I was like, it was perfect. It, yeah, it was hard. And um, long story short, I had, I was kind of seeing someone out here and was like, okay, well, we seem to be getting more serious. I was fine keeping it long distance, but it just felt like, okay, maybe I just dive into that. I don't know. And I don't have any career options out here right now. And so kind of quickly made a decision to move to Iowa City. Um, and didn't have a job, 
I multiple times moved cross country without a job, but it was like, I'll stand on, I'll stand on my feet. She's very wild. She's very wild and courageous and and trusting the flow of life. It it felt at the time, like I'm a very logical person, but also very spiritual person. And I was like, either way, it just felt like, okay, this is Mm -hmm. like the next step for me. I didn't stay in Flagstaff as long as I'd wanted to, but it felt like, okay, I'm being pulled here. And in the process of figuring out moving and and pretty quick turnaround and having to like leave Flagstaff then the mover all within two days the moving company called me and told me they were coming early like a day early which never happens which never happens and then that day that I had to pack really quickly because of that I found out my mom was in a car accident in Phoenix and serious enough that she had to go to the doctor and stuff and I think she was fine but there was she had to go see chiropractor and stuff but I was really worried. I want to be home. I want to, you know, just be present to that. And um, just a few weeks before that, I'd experienced some numbness in my front leg. And then it went away with PT. And I was like, oh, that's okay. Another mm. pinched nerve situation, you know, okay. Um, but that weekend I was packing up like like a mad woman trying to get my apartment all ready to go. Uh, my feet started tingling. Um, and I, I just, I honestly thought that I had just got some new, like, fall snowshoe kind of things there and was like, oh, my shoes are too tight. Can I just pause? Yes. Isn't it interesting how we kind of can find answers yeah. for any symptom yes. like that? You like, oh, well, that's because of this. And, yes. And this, right? this makes sense. Like I'm all, symptoms yeah. are all over the place. Yeah. Yes. I think is also part consistent. of the story, right? Yes. Like they were feet, they were eyes, they were tingling in the fingers. It was it, not a consistent. No. And you were young. So young. Yes. Yeah. So young. Yes. And so um in the process of that, I, I somehow got my apartment together. I got everything moved and drove the two and a half hours back down to the valley. And I remember like getting home and taking my mom to the chiropractor and being like slightly numb suddenly from the waist down mm-hmm. and was trying to do my PT exercises in her backyard, like, you know, like squat, like things across the backyard and all the other stuff I was doing in PT. And I, I, burst into tears picking her up from the chiropractor I was like I think I have spine cancer and she's like no you don't you know like okay it's probably just a thing but you should go to a doctor and get it checked out because I had just left my job but I had like two weeks of insurance left over from that university job and um saw a doctor he was like look I would give you MRIs but you're not going to be here for me to go over them with you so Mm. and he kind of was just joking a lot um not taking me seriously that community is very religious, um, Mormon. And he's like, how old are you? And you don't have any kids because sometimes women have like an inflamed sacrum, something or the other. And I was like, yeah, I don't have kids. And he's like, are you sure? And I'm like, yeah. And then he said that like multiple times. And I was like, this is not helping me in this situation right now. Yeah, Not listening. Yeah. And so long story short. um, And also just pause, like an expectation that at this age you should have it. Like there was like some judgment. Uh, Yeah. Oh yeah. Like him and his like I were like feel really fiery about this right now. I'm like, oh, I know. that's kind of bullshit. Not a part of, I yeah. Know. It really annoyed me. And I was like, okay, well, I can't get an MRI. And he's like, I can't help you then. And I was like, okay. And then um, the next day or two, I think it's the next day was that Saturday. And my mom had hosted going away brunch for me. My cousins were in town and my cousin, he's a doctor in Las Vegas. And he was like, you should go to the ER. And I was like, I'm supposed wow. to leave right after this brunch to drive to Iowa. Like, 
<laughs> I'm driving there. My partner at the time was there. And he's like, no, you can put that off. I think you need to go to the ER. And I was like, okay. So went to the ER, got an MRI. No, nothing. Because I have since realized there's two kinds of MRIs you can get. Well, different locations of the MRI. And I think this one was more on my, like, say, like my lumbar spine. Um, but if you get a contrast fluid um, that sh shows up in the MRI for lesions or new activity within three months. And if you just take a regular MRI, it shows anything older than three months. Mm. And so it didn't show anything. And so they were like, so you're does that fine. mean your diagnosis is, was pretty fresh at that point? Or? Uh, they didn't even diagnose me. Oh, you... So that was still me trying to figure out stuff. And they were like, you probably have a vitamin deficiency or you are just have some inflammation. So they give me like really like high dose Tylenol kind of. And yeah. relaxers. Did you, you're so intuitive. Did you at that point have a feeling there's something more here or were you? I, I was kind of like. You know how you can go into autopilot when you're in like a fight or flight? A fight or flight. Yeah. And it was just like, okay, I, I'm moving to a different state. I, I don't have a job. I got to get a yeah. job. Like it was like, and I do not, uh, if the doctors are telling me that it's just inflammation, I don't understand it, but I'm hoping they're right and it'll go away. Mm -hmm. But just in case, I was also kind of asking friends, family, whatever they're thoughts. And one friend of mine who, uh, she's a doctor now in Phoenix, Lisa, she was the one person that I think I'd already moved to Iowa and we were like messaging each other back and forth on Facebook or something. And she was like, have you done any tests for MS? And I was like, no. And she goes, maybe think about that. Um, but mm. that had been, um, like I, I got to Iowa and you know, was like hoping things would go down, but nothing did. So I got a massage, hoping things would go away and nothing went away. And then I saw a chiropractor and they were like, we're not super comfortable working on you. Cause you have to understand at this point, I could barely stand up. I could Cause you're, like, you walk. were so numb like, from like the waist down. walking, like I could hardly walk and stand. Oh. And, and this is like your first, you so see, you moved to Iowa. This is like your week? first week yeah, in Iowa. Yeah. Yes. It'd be so scary. It was like, I can't believe this is happening. I don't, I'm just trying to just keep on swimming, like hope for the best. This episode is being sponsored by Revival, a women-owned and operated clothing store located in downtown Iowa City, offers a curated selection of modern, resale, and vintage clothing and gifts. Revival focuses on brands that empower women and promote ethical and sustainable practices. Making sure your wardrobe and your style look great while doing our planet and community good. Celebrating 20 years this fall, find them on the Ped Mall in downtown Iowa City or shop 24-7 online at RevivalIowaCity.com. Use promo code TENDHER23 for 15% off your purchase. And I was interviewing for jobs. Mm -hmm. um, in the midst of In this. the midst of this. One of oh them was God. a bed and breakfast and I couldn't climb the stairs and they're like, you're going to have to climb these stairs a lot. And I was like, I, I can't do this job. So that's. There went the bye-bye bed and breakfast. Went the dream yeah. dream. So yeah. then the other job interview I got, both of them had been from Craigslist at the time was um, with Andy Stolen and Amy West. Mm -hmm. And I interviewed with them and they were um, producing Entrefest, the state's largest startup business kind of conference and brought me on to kind of work as a marketing director for that. Cause that had been kind of my background. Um, but I 
And by the way, you were amazing at it. Thank so. you. Thank you. Um, that's what, but that's met. kind of what got me into the small business mentoring role that I'm in now. And I love, but they were really flexible, but I just remember leaving that interview at the geometric building in Cedar Rapids and that down those, that big staircase and walking outside. And it was cold. Cause it was like October, early November. And I had flats on and my flats like fell off my feet. Cause I couldn't, I couldn't have like the muscle to grip strength to grip my shoe from the inside, you know? Mm. So it, it was, I remember being in the ER and emailing them being like, Hey, um, so I've got some tests I got to do. Like, I, I know I have to work on this stuff for Entrefest, but can I, can you give me a day? And they're like, yes, <laughs> I just, oh, it was wow. crazy. Like I said, yes. And immediately had to go to the ER. So you end up in the ER again. Yes. And, and what was, um, interesting about that was maybe that was maybe a week and a half after I got to Iowa and, and had actually seen a, a primary care doctor here. And he was like, you need to go to the ER because I can't get you into a neurologist visit um, within three months. Like you have to go through that. You have system. to go through that to get to a neurologist faster. And so I, within the week I went to the ER and was standing there and the doctors were like, Oh, there are these two guy doctors in the room with me. And they're like, okay. Um, one of them was standing behind me. He's like, they're trying to do tests and ask me questions. And he goes, okay, close your eyes. And I was like, I closed my eyes. And the next thing I know, he caught me like a foot off the floor. Wow. And I, he's like, did you know that you were falling? And I said, no. And he was like, okay, we're going to go. And that, then I was admitted for about four day, four or five days. And uh, in the process of all that, they did a spinal tap and all kinds of nerve conduction tests and eye movement tests. And that's when I got the diagnosis. Yeah. How did, and, how did that feel learning that? Oh, it, you remember? it was, and tell us, cause I've heard this story from yeah. you before. Tell us how they told you. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. I think yeah, this yeah. is so significant. It is really interesting. And so I was, um, alone in the hospital room that morning. Um, it was early in the morning. It was like 8am. So I, I only knew one person in the city and he wasn't in there with me yet. And so, um, the, doctor and it's a learning hospital it's a teaching hospital university of iowa and so there were at least six what are they called students residents residents yeah. yeah um and this lady walked in and she kind of breezed in and she's like hi we're on our morning rotations we have like results from your tests and i was like okay great this is like i've been there for three or four days at this point and she's like you have multiple sclerosis. We'll get you information on that. And we got to keep on going, you know? And she's like, and then she, I remember her saying to me, goodbye, best patient ever. Mm -hmm. Um, because I, you know, I try and have like a, you were positive. positive and she sailed out of the room with, uh, and all the guys left. And then this one girl stayed behind. She's like, can I give you a hug? Cause you're like my age. And I just can't. Imagine. I was like, Oh my gosh. Wow. Please. <laughs> yeah. She loved to know who that young woman oh, is. She, yeah, she that, was lovely. That yes. like sort of in that moment of I'm sure shock Humanity. for you. Like she, she had the she compassion. Sensed, Total compassion. She sensed that you mm -hmm. were going through something and she showed up for you. So shout yes. out to whoever yes. that was. I don't even know. And I'm curious, like, I don't know if, if they're at that level, are they just doing their rotations or was she actually studying neurology? Right. I don't know. I don't yeah. know, but she was really compassionate. So, mm -hmm. yeah. So then it was like, you kind of leave the hospital with like a, a packet a about MS. Of yeah. MS and a folder of things. And, um, 
That was the first and time. You were tell tell us the age, the diagnosis. I was came. 30, uh, 32. 32, brand new job, brand new city. No, no relationship. No don't know and anyone. Was, don't even winter in Iowa City, which is oh like my goodness, the worst Arizona time. girl. Yeah, in Iowa moved for love. Yeah, that didn't also work out very well. Yeah, but it did because I ended up meeting my husband. So. Yes, and yeah, yeah, Michael, he's wonderful. So it was just the vehicle to get me here. It was. Yeah, yeah. yeah there is sure. always that through line of why we get to places and how yeah. doors open and how other doors close, and there's always yeah some beautiful meaning behind it yeah so you're 32 and you get this diagnosis and do you remember the that those early days it just felt like within you know what's interesting was like a week and a half after that was thanksgiving and i'd had to get home to go fly home to see my family and i had to get I had to use like forearm crutches on the plane and stuff and it was just mm -hmm. like this is like a different world i didn't know you have, uh, I had no idea what it was like to be someone with mobility challenges because right. I've never been mobility, like challenged with my mobility before. And it kind of really opened my eyes and, and helped me become more empathetic in a way I'd never been before. Um, I continue to have mobility challenges. And so entering a whole just like community of people that this has been the reality for a very long time, it it's very eye-opening. And I was just like, but this can't be my, I'm like, I'm, I don't feel like this. I'm, this is still, I was just right. different like three weeks ago, you know, like, so mm. there, I, there, I have to pause. There's like, I have the sense of it happening slowly, but all at once. Yeah. It, yeah, you're right. Cause the signs yes. were in DC, but then all of a sudden, boom. And when they diagnosed me in 2009, no, what, no. When did I move? 2014. When they diagnosed me in 2014, they're like, you probably have had this for at least five years. Oh, wow. So that takes me back to like the first, within the first year of DC. getting to DC. So it's, it's just really interesting, you know? Um, so yeah, slow burn. And then suddenly the pot boiled over. Yep. Yeah. Well, and, and I mean, I think the research bears this out that stress is a major exacerbator yeah. of auto for me. conditions. Mm -hmm. And so you know, there are so many different stressors, whether it was living in DC, the moves, the, it just, you know, overwhelmed. Right. The system. system. Yeah. It makes me wonder too. And of course it's just speculation, but you know, if you hadn't had all those stresses, would it have just laid smoldering there for another five years? I, mean, before I, it, wonder, I mean, I don't potentially like there's, there is a history of autoimmune on both sides of my family. Like my dad's sister has some stuff, the aunt. Um, yeah. And then my mom's dad had rheumatoid arthritis. So there's like some level of autoimmune on both sides, but would it have been triggered without all those stresses? I don't know. But then yeah. I don't know what my life would look like. I was bored to tears living in Phoenix before I moved to DC. Yeah. You know? So um, I don't know. It's really interesting. I will say it's made me a lot more. And I think I already was really empathetic to other people, but it, it's made it, it different. Oh, you know? yeah. Well, and then you kind of your next decade becomes you becoming a healer. Yes. To heal yourself. Yeah. And I, I came to Iowa city wanting to also go to massage school because I'd kind of always had an interest in that. Um, even since high school in ninth grade, I bought a book on massage with my, oh, interesting. Oh, so the Walden seeds, books in the uh, right. So many seeds of who we really yeah. are show yeah. up really early. And I just, life. I remember thinking a lot, I just need another tool in my toolbox professionally. I, 
I had done marketing and communications for a while, but there's stressors to it. And I just kind of was like, I just want, you know, I want something else also. And I just had never been comfortable only wanting to be one thing. Um, so I was an English major. <laughs> so it's just kind of like, I didn't train for like one specific right. type of like what's um, career, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and I'm sure that gave my parents pause many times, but, um, I just, I really, I've always had a lot of interest and I kind of felt like that curiosity. Yeah, person, I yes. wanted to kind of follow different things as they felt like they were coming. So you life. studied massage therapy, you studied Reiki, you uh, studied herbalism, ball. sound um, therapy. Yeah. 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 And it's, um, and you, you do work professionally part-time. I do. I'm a licensed massage therapist. I work full-time for ISU, but, um, I mean, it is very part-time now with a child and husband and everything. So I think I see like three or four people a month max, but it's, it's great. Cause my practice has also really changed reflecting in the different, mm. um, modalities that I think are very therapeutic, but maybe easier on my body. And so uh, I do a lot more like lymph work now and some craniosacral and stuff that people get off the table and are like, I feel different. And I'm like, that's good, you know, cool. And I can attest that you are an amazing. <laughs> Thank you. you. I've had a treatment with her too. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, recently. yeah. Um, I think yeah. so much of your own experience also makes you such a good healer because mm -hmm. you, you now know your body so well and what's what's working and you, you, you're so, you're always ahead of the curve too. in looking at, I remember when you said, Kate, I've got, I just checked all these books on herbalism and that's like, <laughs> and you just went all in on that yeah. for this interview. She's like, Betsy, I, I'm just, I'm taking a course in Ayurveda. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I am, like, I am. It, like, you know what? Like, and I kind of like that because it's also tying into my ancestry. So yeah. You're right. Your Indian ancestry. Yeah. Um, ancestry. But it's a, it's way more holistic. Um, than just changing diet it's yeah it's lifestyle, lifestyle and mindset, and i think i yeah. need i i'm there's a lot more self-reflection in some of the ayurvedic practices that i have kind of shied away from journaling and even meditating i've taken a class with you betsy and it was like hard for me to get into during the pandemic i really got out of meditation because i was like i'm not leaving my house like i'm not doing anything why do i need to meditate and right. find balance when i'm not doing anything in retrospect probably should have been but <laughs> um you know, so I'm, I'm really curious to see like Beautiful. what that looks like and feels like right now. And right now it's feeling really good. So yeah. I'm into that. So you work full-time at ISU. <laughs> you have a kid who's less than he two years old. Walking. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, you grow your own food or grow a lot of food. You'd love to cook. Yeah. So how, how do you find time? Because I also know I've heard you talk about managing a chronic illness can feel like another job. Yes. Because one of the things is that you're always trying to research and what's next. And this is part of your curious nature too, but like, how can I stay well? How can yeah. I support myself? How, what do, how I do you do this? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> um, I, gosh, this is also coming like nine years, right? So I only had Milo last summer. So I had a lot more time to research things pre-baby. Um, but what there is time to do right now is listen to podcasts while I take him to and from daycare, which is a good 15 minutes each way. And that's twice a day. And that's almost an hour of driving for daycare each day. And so because of that, I kind of was like listening to herbalism podcasts and just kind of thinking. And then 
in one of them, they were talking about like herbal infused oils and they help the nervous system. And I was like, Ooh, okay. And I was like infusing my own herbal. I have lavender infused oil, whatever. (laughs) And, um, and then I was like, wait, why do I? And I'd heard of other infused oils with Abhyanga, which is like the self oil massage and, um, Ayurveda. And I was like, what? why don't I just listen to like a podcast about that? And then I found a couple and just started listening. And like, they were so calming to me in the last mm. few months that I just like, I think I've listened to over like a hundred and some podcasts in the last month, just from oh. driving Milo back and forth to daycare. I'm not kidding. Or cooking dinner or whatever. So that is how one way that I really kind of am like finding time, Yeah, you know, Beautiful. and following a few other autoimmune people online, but there's a lot of opinions on there in yeah, the world. Makes yeah. sense of that I because I, well, here's the thing: I get decision fatigue, yes. big time, and then I think, oh, I need to do this, and then I'll do that, and then you know, maybe don't see each like I did, one time did a full autoimmune elimination diet for three months, like, uh, no seeds, no nuts, no nightshades, no dairy, gluten. no gluten, yeah. um, no eggs, no beans or legumes. I mean, like, yeah, everything. I mean, a lot of it, stuff that you is healthy in my mind was gone. And I, I went down to my high school weight, which I was like, this is nice. But then also at the same time, none of my, my digestive symptoms didn't go away. I still had tightness in my legs, like other things stayed. And after three months, I was like, I feel like my body should have responded a little bit, just Mm -hmm. even like a little bit. And it didn't really. And so, you know, I've done a lot of playing with my diet, playing with different therapies, like acupuncture, um, massage, energy work, you know, like all kinds of different things. And some just really help make me relax. And I think no matter what, getting out of fight or flight is good. Yeah, I think that is where there's going to be everyone for you, no matter what. Um, and I think that's why I've moved my own practice into something a little bit more subtle in terms of physically, but also just super powerful in terms of helping people move out of fight or flight. Mm. Um, but you're also good at resting. I feel like you have start you you are good at boundaries. You yeah, with Milo, you're like if when he goes to bed, I'm yeah. going to bed. You told me that recently. Yeah, like, I mean, I, yeah, I, I with him, he wakes up around six. He goes to bed by seven thirty. I eat dinner by eight thirty, and then. Between 8.30 and 9.30, I might watch a show with Michael or that's our connection time. And then by around 9.30 to 10, I'm like getting ready for bed. I'm either like stretching or journaling or taking a shower or whatever. And then I have to go to bed. So I don't unfortunately have a ton of time. If anything, I'm struggling to find time to just swing by girlfriends and have coffee or whatever. Um there's a lot more planning involved now and like juggling yeah. of Michael's schedule and my schedule and like <laughs> yeah. everything to just see friends, but I'm still trying, I'm making efforts in that space, but it's like, it has created a schedule for me that is probably a good thing um, that I hadn't known I needed to maybe work. It with makes it. me think about those days in DC where yeah. you were like, and I had brunch and, and, I, and I had no schedule. Such a social, social I am friendly a social person. person. Yeah, and I love people. I love my friends. I want to just like do everything yeah. with them. I definitely have FOMO and um, I, yeah, it's, I've had to, I don't know. 
become like the unfun friend with the baby now, but like, maybe it's also exactly what your nervous right. system and your body yeah. need right now. Cause it's plenty of stimulation. Like I'm working uh, full time yeah. and yeah. still like, you know, food, house stuff in general, yeah. sharing that with Michael. And when I'm with Milo, like I have my phone on me and I take photos and stuff, but for the most part, I'm, I want to be present to him. I only get him in the morning and I get him in the evening for a little bit and he's awesome. And I want to just like soak up, play with him, soak it up. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, the evening is like my special time with him. I love it. I love putting him to sleep. I love reading him books. I love giving him a bath. That's like our bonding time. And Michael does like a dance party with him most mornings in the morning. So, (laughs) so yeah, it's just kind of like, that's my time with him. It's really precious. Well, you've been so, I mean, we've talked about your journey. What advice do you have for people that might be sensing symptoms that of anything that might be troubling them or, you know, what, what advice do you I have? Think it's, I think it's really important to not ignore yourself and also to even like sit with yourself and ask yourself, is there, is everything okay? Is there something like, and actually maybe listen for an answer. Betsy, you, you've done, you've taught us all how to like ask ourselves yeah. yes and no questions and how to just kind of tune in. And um, that's been helpful to me and to, to not discount it. I feel like we are the queens of putting so ourselves good. last and being like, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. I've got this. I've got this. I can do this. And I feel, okay, I feel, sure. yeah, I feel good, good enough. Yeah. I feel good enough. I can, I can, I can do this. And the reality is maybe you are fine, but then also maybe you're not, you have something going on internally and your body is only, your body can only speak to you with like symptoms. the way it can with symptoms. symptoms. Pain. Yeah. And so that is your body telling you something and maybe it's just something that day that's going on. Then listen to it that day. Like every time you can listen to yourself a bit more, I think the more you can tune in, the better. Um, But like not, don't ignore yourself. We are too good at ignoring ourselves and just not wanting to be a problem, not just being like, I can fix it by just going to the doctor. I'll go to the eye doctor. I'll go to this doctor. And maybe that does fix it. And that's good. But also maybe ask your friends and see if there's someone who kind of has a more comprehensive skill set out there to like to to look at you as a whole being and not just, you know, your arms tingling or something like that and say, okay, like this is interesting and I'm looking at you and your whole life and what you're consuming and what you're eating and how much stress you're under and and then putting a more holistic picture together for you. Um, there are people out there like that. There are people who do online consultations out there. So the pandemic really, if anything, made certain services like that more available, Yeah, which I think is, is a benefit. Um, so I would say don't ignore yourself. Um, your body is speaking to you. Yeah. And, and just take a few minutes to listen. Like I have no, t- I don't have time, but I somehow find time to like, even just sit in my car and deep breathe for like five minutes before coming. Like I took like 10 deep breaths before coming in here, just sitting mm. in my car in the parking lot, you know, like if that's where you got to take some deep breaths and get quiet is in the parking lot after the grocery sh- <laughs> grocery store or like drop off of the kids from something like then that that's make the space there's there's a few minutes of space there i appreciate this so much because i again do think that women were so quick to ignore Mm -hmm. what's going on Mm -hmm. in our inside of ourselves whether it's physical emotional mental 
because we've all been conditioned to believe our job is to care for everyone else. Mm -hmm. Yes. Whether it's our, right. Whether it's our kids or our spouses or, you know, colleagues at work. And so your story of just like, really listen, listen, talk to your body, follow up with doctors, you know, take care of yourself. It's so essential. And I think every woman needs to be reminded of that we're worthy. Yes. We are worthy of this to really listen in. And I will say you're not alone. Like at least here in Iowa City, when I ask my friends, I'm like, oh, have you been to a a cool doctor that does this or so-and-so? And I get recommendations so many people and they're like, so oh, we need to support each other. Support each other. Okay. So I say, don't yes. be scared to ask your friends if they yeah. know of someone or if they've seen of someone or heard someone that could help with something because half the people I see or have gone to visit is because of referrals yeah. from friends here locally. And it also helps you not be isolated. Right. And it helps create that community of like women who are taking care of each other. Yeah. And taking care of ourselves. Yes. Self yeah. And ourselves in, in community. Yeah. In yeah. community. Yeah. So it's just, I think that's really important that you're not alone. I think that isolation can be really, I felt really isolated when I moved here. Mm-hmm. Like I was, I was like physically isolated. Like I didn't know anyone, like it was cold and dark and, um, and I eventually kind of bounced back through a lot of stuff, but it was like, I I remember kind of feeling better, but it was like months later and it was like, as I was becoming better friends with people and, and moving to Iowa and, um, yeah, it, there is something really important about community and yeah. not being alone. And, and you are all about community. I know. I love you really community. are. You've <laughs> been a builder of community ever since I've known you. Yeah. That's, that's basically my first job. Yeah. Here. So for you to see that now in your own in your own life when it comes to your health and the power of these friendships and, and creating your own community of also providers that are helping you. Yes. And Um, I can make referrals too. Yes. You give that back to others. Absolutely. It's, it's really, I think really important. And, you know, I'll be honest and say there are people with MS that, you know, they change one thing and they like, removed gluten from their diet and they're like, I'm, I'm perfect now. I don't have any symptoms. I am not that person. Yeah. And I think what I've had to realize is we are, we are all really unique individuals and props to you for trying. I want you to guys to try everything that you, that you find that's out there, but it's also okay if it doesn't work for you because your body is different than other people's bodies. And some of that cookie cutter advice that's out there it doesn't always fit every single person, you know, um, which makes that so intuitive listening. Yeah. It's the intuitive listening. Oh, it's more important. Yeah. And to kind of just give yourself that grace, you know? Yeah. So, um, I feel, um, inspired right now and maybe we can work on this to actually put in our show night show notes today. Some of these, um, health sort of referrals Mm, places where people can, um, you know, you can turn to and, um, because I think that they're out there in our community for sure. And I know there's listeners from all over. Um, but it's, I know Kate has had a long-term idea of creating, you know, places where people can find this information and find it can be so overwhelming just Googling online. It's too much. It's too much. And it's overwhelming and you don't know do you start a juice fast? Do you do this? Do you take that? I mean, it can be just crippling. Yeah. Um, and I think just taking one step at a time and I'd say deal with your stress first mm-hmm. and, and, yeah. and just 
honestly, because like you can't even, you could even have like a really perfect diet for you, but if you're in stress, you're, you're in fight or flight and nothing's helping. Nope. Nothing's going to help you. Right. I'd say start there. Start with stress. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, we always like to end and thank you for your openness, your courage, your sharing your story and your journey. You have always been an inspiration to me and I know Betsy too. And so your willingness to, to share this with others is only going to help others. And it's, you're a beautiful soul. Thank you. Oh my gosh. I love you. I, I, I'm honestly honored to be here. So Mm -hmm. thank you guys so much for putting this out there for people and women. Yeah. Yeah. So we always like to end with the the book, Women Who Run With the Wolves, which I know is near and dear to your heart too. Yeah. Um, you get it? I have, I attempted to read it multiple times, but the way I found was the best way for me. And I am not an audiobook person no, at all. Listening. But listening to her book yeah. Yeah. was I amazing too. because she, when she tells the stories, they come she's alive. telling mm-hmm. the stories that she's, you could read them, but when she tells them in the audio book, it's next level. It was amazing. Yeah. That's great advice. I've never yeah. listened to it. Yeah, me too. I've read she, it. She like chants. She does like the, her, her, her voice. Oh my yeah. Gosh. Okay. You, you're selling me on it. Got it. Sure and some I, of these listeners too the are. the audio book I have ever listened to. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. It, I yeah. totally 100% agree. Yeah. <laughs> um, so she writes, if you have a deep scar, that is a door. If you have an old, old story, that is a door. If you love the sky and the water so much, you can almost not bear it. That is a door. And if you yearn for a deeper life, a full life, a sane life, that is a door. So which door do you think you've taken into your life as a wild woman? Hmm. I think for me, it's it's somewhere between community and nature. I'm not sure. Maybe it's a communal gathering of people around a fire in like the yeah. woods or something. It's just like those two things are 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 not separate in my brain, mm. you know. And it's um nature is a huge uh grounder for me and it just it brings me to peace it puts things in perspective for me um i'm not the center of the world when i am looking at something bigger than me um but i am important in that world and so it's just kind of helps me feel connected to something bigger but then when there's others around me and we can hold each other it's like that's just as important beautiful so beautiful yeah Thank you, Sam. I love you. I love you guys. Thank you. (laughs) Hello, listeners. We want to let you know that we have so much gratitude that you join us in these conversations every week. We want to continue to uplift and connect with women-owned businesses and businesses that are supporting women. So if you are one of those or have a recommendation for someone that may want to sponsor an episode, please have them reach out at tendherwild.com. Today's episode is sponsored by Kate Moreland Coaching and Heartland Yoga. As a coach, I am an advocate for authenticity and well-being for individuals, organizations, and communities. Through my coaching work, I like to help you connect to your authenticity. Whether you're an individual, a leader, or an organization, your creative power lies in your authenticity. Doing the work to understand your strengths and acknowledge the patterns and rocks that are in your way is the path to well-being. Whether it's your career or your relationship with yourself or others, Transformative change begins within. You can reach me at katemorelandcoaching.com. Heartland Yoga has been in business for nearly 15 years. I founded this studio with the intention for it to be a safe place where people could come and heal. 
I also knew that I wanted a business that fostered community and connection. So if you are looking to deepen your yoga practice, heal from physical, emotional, mental wounds, or simply connect with people who are like-minded, Heartland Yoga is a place that we would love to welcome you into, whether it's online or in person. You can find out more information at www.heartlandyoga.com. And now the amazing singer-songwriter, Lissy Morris with Wild West. Thanks for joining us today. If you like this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. Come back and rewild with us again next week. <laughs>